operations was the business, not HR, right? So how do I support operations and meet them where they are with what they are truly experiencing? Welcome to Action This, practical wisdom from experienced management pros, a podcast series featuring a stacked roster of industry guests dishing about what it really takes for brands to thrive. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Action This podcast. I am your host, Zach Hamilton, the Chief Experience and Strategy Officer here at Chattered by Stingray. And I am super excited about uh, today's episode. And let me tell you why. As I continue to work with different brands, what I continue to hear is, look, because our we're, we're having challenges with hiring into the workforce, uh, because we're trying to look for operational efficiencies as we don't know what to expect with this global recession, uh, we are relying on technology and, and uh, SaaS um, tools to really help us drive these operational efficiencies. And what's really interesting about this discussion is as many executive leaders think that technology is uh, – the way to drive operational efficiencies, what we forget is the impact it has on people, both employees and customers. And what does that experience look like? And often what we find is we deploy technology and we don't realize the ROI that we thought we were going to. And so as I continue to think through this challenge, what I wanted to do is really think through uh, who is someone in my network that I know has not only implemented hundreds of different technologies for many different brands, not only himself when he was a practitioner, but now as a consultant. There's only one guy that I know that I've worked with in the past that takes a holistic approach to uh, not only just implementing technologies and realizing the benefits, but not losing sight on the people that it impacts. So before I bring Dave first in, let me tell you a little bit more about Dave. So Dave is a tenured executive with more than 15 years of experience leading the vision and strategic initiatives for both HR and information systems. Dave's passion is to influence the way that organizations can impact their culture through effective people strategies, which I can't wait to touch on. You will often hear Dave say, we can make life better for so many people in our work. With this purpose inspiring his work, Dave has built end-to-end solutions for talent acquisition, onboarding, workforce management, performance, core HR, and payroll, and not to mention analytics. Through unique designs, he leverages his experience and expertise to help guide C-suite leaders with data-driven results. Dave, welcome to the Action This Podcast, man. Excited to chat with you. Yeah, what's going on, man? Dude, one thing that you don't have in your bio, by the way, that I think everyone needs to know is like, you're also incredibly talented guitar player. <laughs> well, bass player. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah, I used to, I used to do that a little bit more full time professionally. So actually what yeah. my degree's in. Yeah. So that, uh, we could always talk about that, but Dave, I so glad that you can join I, you know, I teed it up around the challenges that brands are facing today, regardless of what vertical you're in, whether it's retail, restaurant, financial services. I think everyone's experiencing the same challenge. But before we dive into challenge, 
Tell our listeners a little bit more about you. Right now, you are a strategic consultant and you're helping many, many brands uh, implement their technologies. But tell us a little bit about your journey to get where you are today and about your career. Yeah. So uh, interestingly, it started off in that musician world, right? Like I'm an artist at heart, creative at heart. And um, I had gotten married early in my 20s and realized I wanted to start a family. And <laughs> that starving musician wasn't going to cut it. So I I went out and started doing some searches. I knew I loved people. Like I, I love people. Anywhere I've gone, anything I've done, even as a kid, it was all about building teams and like working with people. I've just always loved doing it. So I started doing searches out in Career Builder. This is in the days of Career Builder. And, you know, that was like the way to find a job. I started searching for HR and I came across a company uh, back then uh, called Ceridian. And they hired me in. I'll never forget it. Here I am. I've got zero experience. I'm a rock star with long hair you know, doing my thing, playing at bars and, and all this stuff. And Ceridian offers me a job making something like $55,000 a year. And I just like, my eyes just opened wide. I could not believe it. A company is going to hire this dude with zero experience. And so I like, they brought me in as that rookie, rookie person. Little did I know, I mean, I show up and, and they put us some, through something like 12 weeks of training or something in for those of you that don't know, Ceridian does uh, HR payroll software, right? And so uh, at the time, it was all just HR and payroll, and they brought me in to help implement their systems for organizations across the United States, and and I had zero experience. So they go through this 12-week program to help, you know, build you into this knowledge base of stuff. And you know, I remember sitting there week one and I'm thinking this, this has got to be a scam. There's no way someone would hire me in to actually do this. And, uh, you know, it, it ended up, I think it was week six or seven. We started talking about data conversion and getting really techie and nerdy with all this stuff. And I was sitting there thinking, man, HR is a lot bigger than just people. There's a lot going on to support HR and how to do business. And I, it just took off and I fell in love. I, I legitimately fell in love with HR systems, um, and I'll never forget going live my first my first payroll in Los Angeles with a company that was like 350 employees, and I had never pressed uh, process payroll before. And there's like literally this button that said process payroll, and I had never pressed it. And and I remember like we had gone through this implementation, gone through um, you know all of the different discovery, the configuration, the testing, you know, typical system geeky stuff. And we got to that point where we're supposed to press this button, go live. And the payroll clerk looks at me and she says, well, what do we do now? And I said, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> and I just like, I was stuck. And I, I remember like thinking to myself, there's gotta be just a better way to do this. Like we're getting to the end of these projects. We've done what we're supposed to do from a technicality perspective, but like these people, now have this brand new system and they don't know how to do their job. And I, I just, I don't know how to do my job and it shouldn't take, it shouldn't be this complicated. It shouldn't take this long to learn how to calculate payroll. The system is supposed to make things easier, not more complicated. And so I started really diving in and learning and I, I, I took off with it. And after three years, I moved down to Birmingham and they hired me in, uh, this company that I had implemented a system for hired me in as a reporting analyst. So here, well, as a reporting manager, I'm supposed to pull data for this company 
And I don't even know what that means, right? Like I went straight from being a rock star to implementing a payroll I knew nothing about to now I'm like writing reports for a life insurance company in Birmingham. And <laughs> I'll never forget day one, I sit down in front of my computer and I start Googling SQL statements. So, you know, SQL statements are like, it's the code behind pulling the reports in the software. And I just started like learning how to pull data and I'm pulling these things in Excel and learning VLOOKUPs and pivot tables and all this, again, geeky stuff. And we start going down this path of, we need to implement a time system. Like we need to further this system that, and, and we need to enhance our time system. And we go down this path of, you know, typical vetting out a solution, RFP, you know, go through the process of demos and all this stuff. And we select our vendor. It was in this huge provider of, of uh, time systems at the time. And we start to go live with it and um, everything. I followed my process, right? We're going through configuration, discovery, testing, all this stuff. We get to the end and everything just breaks. All my knowledge for the past four or five years of everything that I had implemented with thousands of employees breaks and it broke for one simple reason. I had not connected the technology to the human experience. And it was that moment in time that changed my life because it was in that moment in time, I'll never forget, literally laying on my office floor night after night with my hands over my chest, sleeping at the office because I was solving problems, you know, in my office at night and then answering emails during the day. And I, I just remember it wouldn't stop. Like the bleed of issues wasn't stopping. And um, I realized really quickly that I had not connected to the people inside the organization. And I was giving them something that they needed to operate their business. And I had just, I had simply like not connected. I hadn't even included them in the project and I hadn't even aligned with them at all. And so it was from there, I learned so much. And it was it, it was during that time that I learned that this world of HR technology and human resource information and what's now become a world of HR operations is really tied to the whole business. It's almost a heartbeat of the business because it is the core of people, right? Without it, you can't have people in today's world and without people you can't have sales and if you leverage it correctly you your people can start doing their jobs better but if you don't leverage it correctly you can break their world and if they don't have a world then their business starts failing and and it's it's kind of like one of those things where um if you are it, you don't know what you got until it's gone right so like when everything's going well no one thinks about it and then all of a sudden when something's not going well everyone's thinking about it and they realize how much you need it yeah dude i love this i um i just had this image in my head right i think every brand is trying to activate their flywheel right how do we just get all of our our systems and throughputs working you know in a very synchronous way to where everyone's just driving business output Right, it's just it's the flywheel effect, and what you were just describing, what came into my mind was the flywheel came to a screeching halt, and it actually went into reverse. Yeah, because if people do not, if we don't operationalize the technology to where they truly understand how to use the technology, and we give them 
the ability to get feedback on the process, then it works negatively in our in our favor, right? Employee morale starts to significantly take a beating. Overall satisfaction with how we're performing our job takes a significant negative connotation. And in the way that we start to show up to essentially our customers or our vendors, we take on this negative bitchy mindset because yeah. we're just not happy. And so we blame the tools. The tools isn't empowering us or enabling us to do our job effectively. And so it actually has that negative effect on the flywheel. Right. Oh, yeah. I'm curious. I'm curious in your mind. So you and I, so Dave and I went back. We our our path to intersection was at Aaron's. And yep. so I was leading a lot of customer facing initiatives. At the same time, you were leading a lot of employee-facing initiatives yeah. when it comes to technology. Talk to us a little bit about that. Like, what did you learn? Because this is going to be <laughs> that, a good time. That was a wild experience. Yeah, I went from a life insurance company to, like, retail. And all that experience that I learned and what I would consider, like, the bleeding out hell of what I was going through there and just trying to figure out what the heck is going on, like, all of a sudden – you know, we've got 10,000 employees and we're retail and retail is so different than life insurance and turnover is like that percentage number is very different. Like if I were to talk to a life insurance company and tell them that their turnover is 150 percent, someone's getting fired. Right. Whereas at retail, that's like a normal number. And and so at Aaron's, it was an interesting perspective because, you know, I had at a life insurance company focused in on a data warehouse and building and automating like the uh, business continuity and and the provisioning and all this stuff for employees that were like a different level. And then at Aaron's, it was we're bleeding employees constantly. How do we attract and retain top talent? And even moving that down from 150% down to 140%, what kind of impact does that have on the organization? So now I went from like pulling data just to provide audits to pulling information and how do we present this information to executives and sit with executives so that we can build business cases around initiatives? And how do I prove that it's not the technology's fault? Right. So what I came to a realization of at at Aaron's, which was very different, was this is you have two sides of the coin there. You got operations and you got HR and operations is very focused in on, you know, gut based reactions like they've got to lead their business, but they don't have all the intuitive tools that a corporate environment has. So they don't have all this technology. In fact, when corporate gives them a technology it's very difficult for them to adapt to it because their business is selling furniture at this, you know, at errands, their business is not learning technology. And so, you know, corporates, corporate on the other side, their HR side is, is how do we cram more tools and leverage our very like, you know, white collar based business mindset in on operations. So we just keep cramming down more tools. Well, in order to fix your problem of recruiting, you need another talent acquisition tool. In order to fix your problem of workforce, here's another, you know, tool for schedules. Or if if you need, you know, something for, you know, performance management, well, here's your new performance and management tool, right? Like so we just keep throwing more tools and then we keep blaming them that they aren't a Adopting it. And so Aaron's was a very unique experience because 
I, it was during that time period of my career that I had to pull back and start realizing that operations was the business, not HR, right? So how do I support operations and meet them where they are with what they are truly experiencing? Not, not symptoms of this, of a problem, like not like tools and technology, but like, what is the real issue going on? Right. And how do we help them with where they're at without some big, massive implementation? Yeah, I, Dave, I think that's incredible. And I think this is when, you know, I really started to link up, you know, because you were coming from the HR and technology side, I was coming from the operations customer experience side. And this is when I really started to connect the dots between employee experience plus customer experience equals the overall brand experience. And I don't know if you remember this, right? But we were trying to solve challenges. And as I was my, myself and my team, we were trying to operationalize customer feedback. We were trying to launch, you know, new customer facing initiatives. Yeah. What we continued to hear in training wasn't about the technology that we built. All we could hear about was the, you know, the challenges they were facing with the new HRIS system and how we rocked their world with changing systems in which they do timekeeping and they put in schedules and all these different things. And it was like having a significant impact on how they were executing these initiatives. And I'll never forget, remember you and I were on a call and I'm like, Dave, I keep hearing these challenges. And you were like, holy shit, let me help you with this. And remember it was you, myself, and we organized um, a couple RDs, Henry Rogers was one of them. And we said, okay, Let's work on this little cross-functional project to, one, make sure that we had the employee experience right to where their morale was high, they were satisfied, they knew how to use the technology we were implementing to so they could show up and humanize the experience for their customers. And you and I were on like daily stand-ups with operations, getting, yeah. to the, getting to the real problem. And you recently just wrote a, a blog start with the real problem. I thought it was incredibly fascinating. It's not about the technology. It's not about operationally the procedures that we built, but it's really about humanizing the experience. So can you give our listeners just kind of a preview of starting with the real problem? Yeah. And I'll I'll back up just a step to, I think, um, people that implement technology, we, we always got to remember technology is just a tool, right? Like um, the whole concept of starting with the real problem is this, is we, we always focus on fixing a technology or like how do we enhance the technology or how do we replace it with a system that's intuitive or whatever it is. But like it's as, as, as basic as this at its core, I can hand you a hammer, Zach, and say, can you build a house with this hammer? And you would probably say, nope. Why? Because you don't know how to build a house, not because you don't have the tool for it, but because you don't know how to build a house. And it's the same thing that happens in our world, right? So like, I'm going to hand you a new recruiting tool and say, can you recruit with this? And you're, and you're going to say, no, why? Because you're not a recruiter. You don't know how to recruit. And um, it is when I, when I talk about, look at the real problem and search for the real problem, 
it always comes back to this is we have all these symptoms of problems and we're constantly trying to throw out a band-aid right like if we put this put put this in place or replace this with this like we're gonna at least like show that we enhanced our text to hire and if we have text to hire now all of a sudden we think that we're gonna bring in more candidates or if we launch this new ats all of a sudden we're gonna have more applicants and and whatever it is but the reality is what I found, and this is what I found at Aaron's, was the core problem was not a new applicant tracking system. It wasn't a new text to hire. It wasn't a new bot that you put on your website. It wasn't It wasn't even the scheduling tool that they needed so that they could figure out their budgeted headcount, which are all like these big terms that we use with HR and operations. It all came down to one simple thing. Aaron's had forgotten that they originated out of an entrepreneur mindset. And when you're an entrepreneur, you are dependent on building your own team. You don't have thousands of dollars to go out and buy these big fancy tools. You have to go out and leverage your own personal skill set to attract people. It comes down to a simple conversation. So I remember even at Aaron's digging down and hearing all of the rumblings from operation and all the fancy tools that HR wanted to launch and all these big initiatives. And, and I remember traveling into a store and actually like going into a store and seeing a, a general manager and a, and, a, and a customer walked up and an employee was there. A customer walked up and the employee had to clock in and uh, sat there and we couldn't even talk to the customer because the system, the big fancy system that we put in place to solve scheduling was taking too long to pull up. So it took like two or three minutes before the employee could even acknowledge the customer. And because HR had put in a policy for compliance, obviously there's labor standards here. We've got to have you clocked in. We've got to pay you. But we, because we've put these tools in and those are the rules for how to do business, we've now prevented you from having a good experience with your customer. Or you walk in and we don't have candidates and the general manager no one's even talked to him about how to to talk to a potential candidate. You're you know you're at McDonald's and you're talking to someone at McDonald's and they're great with customer service, and we see them all the time. Like how often do you walk into just a basic restaurant or anywhere, and you're talking to someone and you're like, oh my gosh, you have you have that personality and that like that skill to talk to people that I want in my business. Yet we overlook it. And we don't even know how to recruit, right? So we're talking like to get to that core problem, we've got to get past the the band-aids and these like symptoms that we see of problems and start getting back to the roots of what are we actually trying to solve, which is we need people and we need to keep people and we need to train people. We need to somehow attract them. And, and that is not a technology issue. That is a core human management leadership thing <laughs> yeah it, 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 it always comes back to the human experience yeah it always right? does and, and if you think about this this is this is the this is the conversation that i that i thought we were going to have and i'm glad that we're chatting about this is you just kind of elaborated on how we try to solve challenges with different tools and technology but we never we never get to the heart of what the problem is and so to yeah. your point right and what i see with so many brands today is that they continue to do the same thing let's invest in this technology it's going to make it easier but they never get employee feedback 
They never right. incorporate employee feedback as to what are the real challenges and solutions. And so everything that you were just talking about was we need to hire and retain people. Well, a lot of the questions that I like to ask is, what does your employee experience strategy look like? Not right. your annual engagement survey, right? Because let's just be honest, that thing's dead. Right. But what are your employees saying? And so as you're listing out all these fancy tools, like the, the applicant tracking system, for example, I was just in this conversation last week where I asked a CHRO, what is your overall employee experience journey from when someone is researching your brand to make the decision, do I want to be part of that brand? Do their core values align to mine? What does your employer brand page look like? And based on that, can they make a decision now on, do I click to start the application or apply for the role? And what percent of all those candidates apply for the role and get completely through it? And if they abandon that process, why are they abandoning the process? Right. Is it because you just asked them to submit a resume and now I've uploaded the resume, but now you're asking me to fill everything out again. You want me to duplicate all the work that I just did. Yeah. And so, Dave, I'm curious in your mind, why does HR not look at this as a digital, a, 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 essentially their HR digital experience strategy, much like an e-commerce leader manages their customer funnel? Yeah, that's right? a really good question. Like commerce and leader, they look at website traffic. They look at how many add to a cart. They they get digital feedback to understand, you know, why did you add to cart and abandon? Why are we not doing that on the HR side? Yeah, I think that that really good question. And I think simplistically, we can look at it and say, hey, listen, like one of the biggest reasons is to date, whether we like it or not, HR professionals were trained and raised to be compliance people. Right. Like we are compliance officers, even the people that think they aren't compliance officers are like at the core of everything we do is compliance. We don't naturally we weren't raised to naturally think there's a bigger problem at hand. So when I went off from errands, I actually stepped back and bought my own business and I went off into the entrepreneur world. Right. Like I wanted to learn all aspects of a business. That's what I felt I needed to take myself to the next level in my career. And um, I ran it for five years. Um, it was a different world than what I thought. All of my time, all of my time, keep in mind, everything up until this point was implementation, process-driven, report-driven, data-driven. Like, yes, I talked with operations and I was getting to know operations, but I had not lived their world, right? So everything up until this point in time, I was raised through HR or IT. And it was the minute I bought a business that all of a sudden, I realized that the only way I could have any process as it was, was to have a customer. Like if I didn't have a customer, then none of the process mattered because like I wasn't bringing in revenue, right? I needed revenue in order to actually have a process. I needed to serve a customer to have a process. And then after I had a customer, it didn't even matter if I had a customer, if I didn't have someone to serve the customer. And, and so it all came back to this focus on the real problem, right? Like I need a customer and I need someone to serve the customer. And then once you start getting to the, just that, it, it leads me like right into the next thing, which is this is don't focus in on your solutions, focus in on your problem. Focus on your problem as you're launching your 
solutions. Don't focus in on the solution. And the reason I talk through that is this is we oftentimes focus in on solutions like the next big idea and those ideas these new tools and these new things that come out they're like scope creep all the time like you're in the middle of a project and all of a sudden there's a new like fancy widget that you should put in and this will really help the business and whatever right but like we have long ago in hr lost sight of the fact that the only reason we are in business is because someone is serving a customer and there is a culture behind how we serve that customer and if we don't even understand that then we're driving we're the ones responsible for bringing in people if we don't understand the culture of how to serve the customer then how are we supposed to raise a culture of people that know how to serve a customer and until we get that figured out and until we start focusing in on that we will never attract and retain the right talent. We we don't understand how to market. We don't know we don't understand marketing. We don't understand sales. We don't understand any of that. All we understand is compliance and how to bring in a tool to hopefully get someone what they need to do what they need to do. Yeah, that's so fascinating. And and what I love is is really getting to the heart of focus on the problem, not on the solution. Right. And and so you you continue to to talk about um, in your blog, really how to focus on the problem. But in my mind, I'd love your thoughts. If you want to get as close as to the problem as you possibly can, talk to your people and talk to your customers. Yeah, don't be afraid to get your hands dirty, right? So uh, I, in the current business that I'm in, I, I love it because my favorite part of my job is actually not like building out my tools and all of that like my favorite part is talking with customers there is something so amazing about talking with customers but then there's something also amazing about talking to people and this is the first time after i ran my business that i'm on that i'm employed for someone but i'm on the operation side normally i've been on the hr side right now i'm i am the business right and without this business we don't have a business and so it's very interesting um in this concept because then we also have a corporate office where i work and that corporate office is launching tools for me to help support me so that we can truly serve our customer and it's very interesting being the recipient of corporate's tools now right and what i wish if i were sitting where i am today and i had one wish for the people launching tools in corporate i wish that they would join some of our customer calls and hear the interactions and hear the conversations and hear the impact that we have and hear what is needed to truly serve that customer well so that they knew how to serve us in a different way. Yeah, I, I love that you talk about just talking to customers, listening to customers, right? Rather you do it, um, you know, through a traditional survey, like some brands will will do like post-purchase, right? And understand what that experience is like, whether you you allow your customer to engage with you with within any interaction. Same with employees. Our employees have, I they're closest to the problem, right? They're the ones that are truly serving the customer. So they have incredible ideas. The challenge is we never listen, listen to them. And I'll give you an example. So one of the initiatives that we wanted to launch, and you may remember this, is we wanted to launch a mobile app. 
Right? I remember this. And so if you think about this five years ago, all the consulting firms were like, hey, look, your mobile app should be an extension of your website. And the number one focus should be how do you drive top line revenue? And so this was an initiative that it was essentially led out of our technology team. I wasn't involved with it. And after the app was launched, we had like no customers interacting with the app. So we just spent thousands of dollars for a consulting firm, so much employee time invested into launching this app, and we had no customer adoption. And so I remember our executive leadership team asking me, why is this not adopted? And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I didn't know we launched a mobile app. Like, let, let me dig in. And what's so interesting, Dave, is when we started talking to our customers, the questions we asked them was, if we provide you with the mobile app, what are the top three things you want to do with it? The number one thing was an easier way for them to make payments. The second thing was an easier way for me to manage my account. The third thing was actually to shop. And so when I asked, hey, what customer feedback do we have that shaped the way that we designed and went to market with this mobile app? It was crickets. We designed it for the company, not for the customer. Yeah. And so we completely had to flip the entire strategy on its head and wasted so many years. And that's so the heart of the problem was we were trying to solve it based on what we wanted in the executive leadership boardroom versus what do our customers want? Or in your case, what do our employees want from a system? How do we how do we enable them to do their jobs more effectively? And so I'm curious in your mind, when you think about getting to the heart of the problem, listening to your employees and listening to your customers from an HR technology implementation side, give us some tips in your mind. How do we connect with, with the customer, which in this case is employees? How do we make them part of the process from the very beginning versus implementing a technology and then it has very low adoption or there's so many issues because we didn't we weren't in an employee centric design mode? Yeah, I I love that question because that legitimately is most of the work that I do today is I actually don't even touch systems anymore, right? We've got people that will launch systems and do that but like my whole role is what we're talking about here and um when we think about it um i usually start with one big thing which is role clarification and that's such a like a corporate term right like that's not human term but like think about think about this we've been talking about the word customer and my customer today my customer serves a customer who serves a customer, right? So if I'm talking with my my customer, the HR team, they are talking with hopefully uh, their customers, and and if they're not, then how are their customers serving their customers? So the very first thing I start with is this: is who are your customers? Let's talk about your organization. Let's break down your organization. I don't really care about like your org levels and all of that like that's systematic what i really want to know is what are the different teams inside your organization and what are their like nuances like talk to me about their culture and the nuances and what's going on and i always start there and then i start the next step i take after i understand what their like organizational like design is 
I go into a systematic design. Next thing I need to know is, all right, we're putting in the system. This is what your goal is. Let's talk about the impact everywhere. So now I know your organization, all the nuances. Now I know what's going in and out and communicating and what the actual context of this is. What it starts doing is it starts creating a picture that this world, this customer or this technology that we're putting in is so much bigger than just my department. And it's so much bigger than me. And usually it's in that aligning that we can start to further define who do we need to meet with. I can tell you, Zach, I'm telling you right now, I do not meet with a single client, not one, that we are in the middle of these sessions and talking through this stuff and, and figuring out, um, you know, who, who this customer is and what's all impacted. I have not met one, not one that has not forgotten someone. Everyone has forgotten someone to the core. And I can almost promise you 90% of them have forgotten operations. Operations wasn't even included. It's wild. So like we're launching these big initiatives, operations wasn't even included. And so to start with the understanding, the next big question is, is tell me about operations. It's crickets. It's crickets. And it's, it's interesting because the first thing people say is, well, let's get some feedback through surveys. <laughs> you love surveys, right? Like, let's get some feedback through surveys or let's get some feedback, you know, with this cool little sleek assessment that we're going to send out and see what people like how they respond. And we're going to analyze their responses and it'll come up with blah, 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 which is fine, sort of. Except no one thinks the best way to get to know operations is to pick up a phone or drive to a store or sit down there in the call center and just build a relationship, get to know them. I think that's a lost art, right? So the lost art is how do we build relationships? But I think the other, I think the other role that gets forgotten about is the experienced practitioner. Yes. So the majority, so the majority of the listeners of this call. And the reason why they get forgotten about is because so many brands are insights rich and action poor. The experienced yes. practitioner is not connecting the dots between here's what we're hearing from our customers, here's what we're hearing from our employees, and here's how we connect the dots to operations, which then drives X, Y, and Z outcome, right? And because experienced practitioners don't do that effectively, then we overlook the value of connecting at a scale, which could be through feedback, right, a survey, um, while we are driving to a store and really connecting with operations. And one of the things, Dave, that I continue to, to tell practitioners, this is my advice, is stop waiting to be invited to the table. You will never get invited to the table. You have to invite yourself to the table. And when you show up, you show up with value. You show up with, here's why I have to be at the table, and here's the value add that I'm going to bring to this cross-functional team which is I am the advocate for employees and for customers. Absolutely. In fact, I, you know, I was just writing, you know, another blog post about this, like HR up until this point was, um, you know, we, we were known for building reports in Excel and doing our VLOOKUPs and all our, our, our stuff to like, and, and then we would take a number at the bottom, like a, a total or a little bar graph that we made in a pivot table, and we put that into a PowerPoint. And that's what we brought to the table at the executive team. 
And and that value piece is the big necessity because what, what ended up happening was up until that point, we sat at the table if we were lucky. And when we sat there, like people kind of yawned because, you know, sales are still high, things are still going because that's the way the economy was. But the minute COVID hit, man, I'll tell you what, like all of a sudden we need people. And it's and we need people. And we need to figure out how to keep people. And it's the same concept here with with client experience, right? Because so when you think about the entrepreneur world, like there's usually a visionary or someone that starts a business, right? And they start the business organically, and they're in the startup world, and they start to try to reproduce what people have bought. What people have bought is not some widget right like they've bought an experience with that entrepreneur how do you replicate that experience as you grow and so i often think you know the client experience yes you you got to have good marketing tools and you got to have good sales processes and all of that but like the core of your client experience is sitting right there in your employees and if you don't replicate it it's the difference between you know that entrepreneur which let's say that they're functioning at 100 percent and they are like they're paving the way with value and how much value people yeah. should drive it's the difference between that and now all of a sudden you've grown to 500 employees or thousand employees and they're that far disconnected that a person that could be selling like an entrepreneur at 100 percent is selling at five percent maybe because we didn't focus in on what was truly being bought it was that experience and that client experience that's what people want more yeah. than anything else you know it's so fascinating dave and i and i know we're we're coming up on our chat time but i i call this the the voice of customer through employee voce yeah right because if you think about it even the most well respected brands of the world their overall percentage of feedback is less than 10% of employees that interact with your brand is actually going to leave you feedback. If you think it's the whole, whole entire yeah. Brand. If you're lucky, about yeah. All of your frontline employees who are interacting with customers every day, it could be retail, it could be restaurant, it could be personal bankers in a financial institution. It could be B2B, right? And your frontline salespeople. Well, every customer or client is giving feedback and your employee is like this rich bank of all this feedback. And so I worked with a brand not too long ago where we launched a digital always on for employees, where essentially within the internet, they could click give feedback, but it was giving feedback to the organization. And they could select which department within the organization they wanted to give feedback to. So they could say, hey, I want to give feedback to the marketing team or I want to give feedback sure. to the merchandising team. And then it was just an open free text comment box. And they could say, hey, my employee came in looking for this. We couldn't offer it. I couldn't find it online. It would be great if we had this. So it was like product feedback. Or it was, hey, look, giving feedback to marketing. And what happened is when this brand started synthesizing all of this feedback, what they realized was is, there's so many small wins in here that if we just executed on would change the directory of our organization. Yeah. And so in your blog, this, this blog that we've been talking a lot about around starting with the real problem with a C.S. Lewis quote, and I, and I absolutely love it. See, I, it, and this is the quote, 
you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can you can start where you are and change the ending. What I love about that is too many times brands say that we want to completely transform the way that we operate or the way that we you know, show up to our employees and, and they set these two to three year transformation strategies. And oftentimes, you know, this, those two to three years go by and so many different strategic priorities have come up where we fail to make that transformation. So how can brands start today where they are and iteratively change where they are in two years from now? Oh, that's a really good question. This actually ties so well into this this new blog I'm talking about, and and it's it's going to be about creating a compelling people story. But that you could substitute that with creating a compelling you know client experience. But there's four bullets that I'm that I'm going to dive deep into in this this discussion. It's the first is change your mindset. So you've got to change the way you've seen the business. You have to be willing to open up and learn a new perspective. And when I say learn a new perspective, I don't mean like, oh, go go guess more. Like, go out, listen, listen with empathy, hear people, like spend time with the people that you need to know and start listening for perspectives. There's a difference between listening for perspective with empathy than going in with a solution and telling them what you got. And the next bullet I've got is know your business. So you've got to change your mindset, but then you also have to know your business. And I'm not talking like know your department or know your role. I'm talking, how does your business actually perform business? And who is their client? And why are you even here? Like know your business, go out there, know it. Then it's this, it's, it's, it's start simple build quick wins and be willing to be agile. Like you've got to be able to adjust. You just, you've taken on some new perspectives. You, you know, you're learning about your business. You don't go out there and change the world with this huge, massive plan. It, it starts with like one little step and start building from there. You will be surprised how much you learn if you're willing to be agile and learn new things. And then the last thing is, is as you're going through this, Always, always, always focus on operations. Focus on your customer. Focus on who and why you do what you do. It's not just about your department. It is so much about the end customer and why you are doing what you're doing. I love it, dude. This is, uh, look, I got so much out of this chat. I'm, I'm extremely energized. I'm always energized after we connect. I know our listeners have got to be absolutely energized as well, especially when we think about starting with the real problem. Dave, it was phenomenal to have you on the Action This podcast. And uh, for our listeners, if you want to connect with Dave, go on to chatterresearch.com, click on the resources tab underneath the podcast, click on Dave's handsome face. Uh, you will be able to find his LinkedIn um, profile link there where you can link in with him and ask him any additional questions that you may have coming out of this podcast. Dave, it's been a pleasure. Look forward to uh, chatting again soon. Awesome, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for tuning in. 
For more on consumer insights and experience the chatter effect, visit chatterresearch.com.